You are tuned in to another edition of Americana Music Profiles, brought to you by Americana Rhythm Music Magazine and AmericanaMusicMagazine.com. I'm your host, Greg Tutwiler. Let's jump right in to the next exciting interview. Little Wretches founder Robert Wagner got his start in music when he and his older cousin built guitars out of scrap plywood and 2x4s, nails and rubber bands, writing their own songs in his cousin's basement. Fast forward a few years, Robert is now an enthusiastic songwriter and performer, sharing his version of acoustic Americana tinged with that 70s punk sound. Robert and I talk about his career and his music throughout the years on this edition of Americana Music Profiles. Hello, Robert. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. Glad that you could join us today. And um, we are mid-November, um, getting some uh, cooler air and uh, seasons changing. Good time to good time to get our music lined up for the indoor season. And um, so it's fun to get a chance to talk to you about what you guys have been up to and what you've been up to with your music. You've been at this a oh, while, Mark. haven't you? I have, I have, I, uh, you know, people get sensitive about their age, but uh, <laughs> I've been doing this for a long time, Yeah, and uh, I was part of the, what would have been the first wave of punk rock okay. in Pittsburgh. I'm, I'm a native of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and yeah. I, you know, I still believe black and gold, that's, that's my, <laughs> uh, that's what I feel like this home, but I've lived out in Philly in the Philly area. I don't live in Philly, but I've lived in the Philly area since about 2009. And, uh, but you know, my, my universe still revolves around Western Pennsylvania. And the, the, the first wave of punk stuff, uh, you know, like in, in New York City, you're looking maybe 1975, in London, maybe 1977. It didn't really hit Pittsburgh till like 78, 79. Mm. So I think the, uh-huh. my first live performance, you know, I was still you know, like 18, 19 years old. Okay. Didn't even know how to gather a microphone stand. <laughs> that would have been at a, a little club called Phase 3. And and that was, you know, so Pittsburgh had a little punk scene that mainly revolved around college students, uh, Carnegie Mellon students, University yeah. of Pittsburgh students. And that, uh, you know, that, that kind of gave people like me a light, you know, those of us who always dreamed of being able to play in a band that didn't think it was feasible and didn't know how to get started. Yeah. Punk rock made that possible. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, so that that was my, my entry into it. And, you know, I've been writing ever since. In fact, I, I was writing for, you know, back when I, I dreamt of being in a band but didn't think it was realistic. You know, I was writing poetry and character sketches and things like that, but down in, in my heart, I was, I was writing song there. Well, I read uh, a neat little story about you and your cousins and and uh, making plywood two by four guitars and and uh, so you you've been chasing this dream for uh, uh, since since uh, since the beginning of your life almost. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, uh, like how, why. You know, I, uh-huh. I know my mom and dad both like music, and probably most most of the music that I grew up on were. Uh, and, and it wasn't just my mom and dad, but my aunts and uncles, too. When, when we went to, you know, back in those days, you would go to a cousin's house. You know, if your mom needed a babysitter, you didn't, she didn't right. hire a babysitter. Right, right. You went to your grandmother or, or your cousins. And, and we all had record players and, and a bunch of scratchy little 45s. 
you know, 45 yeah. RPM sure. vinyl. And, and that would be, you know, our babysitter would be the record player. And we yeah. were very good at entertaining ourselves. When somebody told us that we needed a record contract in Jeff, we took it seriously. We, we copied the addresses off the, the you know, the, the little paper inner, inner part of, of the, the vinyl records. You know, we, we, we wrote records to RCA and Cold Gems <laughs> and whatever yeah, companies. Yeah. We never got a reply, though. Right, and right. I think in my ninth, my ninth birthday present was a guitar lesson and an acoustic guitar. Okay. And my cousin and I retreated into my room for like 15 minutes and came back out, serenaded the, the aunts and the uncles and the cousins with a little one-chord strumming, whatever it was that we made up. I, I, I think he banged on a, on something and called it a drum, and I... <laughs> Drummed my guitar and maybe put my fingers on the frets a little bit. Yeah, uh, but I just always wanted to do it. Yeah, Loved it. has this is this presently or has it been in some portion of your life a full time endeavor or do you have other things that you do? Well, I have other things that I do. It's never stopped being a full time endeavor. In fact, if you don't do it full time, uh, you're never really going to accomplish anything with it. Uh, but typically, what I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty smart. You know, I'm a, I, I hated school when I was growing up, but I've always been a good student. Mm -hmm. And when I was in college, I was in an experimental program, uh, kind of a student-directed, self-directed learning program. And so I, I, I'm good. I'm a good learner, and I know how to find resources, and I know how to find information. So any time that we had a lull in our musical activities, and, okay, honestly, even going to college for me was nothing but a way to tread water. Really, all <laughs> I wanted to do was play in a band, right. but I didn't know anybody, I didn't know how to do it. So going to college was something other than going to work. Gotcha, um, okay. You know, I bought my first Les Paul with a student loan. Um, but, uh, you know, there have been times when things slow down, that's like, oh, my, things just kind of dried up out of nowhere, no gig, uh people quit the band, what what am I supposed to do? And the typical way to gain time would be go go back to school and take some classes. Mm -hmm. So I've, you know, I got my undergraduate degree and then the little wretches took off. And then we hit kind of a lull. And uh, you know, I went to back to graduate school and got, you know, a master's in instruction and learning and at the same time I was playing in the band. It was the hardest work I've ever done in my life. Full time teaching, full time student and mm. full playing in the band. Mm. But uh and then, you know, so I've been certified to teach for a long time, but the band took off like in the early nineties, like around nine between nineteen ninety and nineteen ninety five it was full time. Mm. Every now and then I'd have to pick up a little side job. But uh one of my side jobs uh in say, the mid-90s, late-90s, I was working for Carnegie Museums of Pittsburgh hmm. as a fundraiser, mm -hmm. you know, raising money for the museum. That's a noble thing to do, part nice part-time job. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And most most of my colleagues were these little old ladies, little old rich ladies, you know, the, uh, the, the wives of ambassadors and the wives of, you know, hugely successful entrepreneurs. Uh, the one lady I worked with, her parents were the founders of Point Park University. You know, wow, they're really okay. successful yeah. people. Yeah. And then they'd look at me every day. They'd say, you are wasting your life here. I see you teaching in one of those dead poet society schools. <laughs> That's cool. So um, after having my, you know, after hearing that for so many times, I thought, yeah, you know, you're right. I should be teaching. But I, I, 
I don't see myself working in a dead poet society school mm-hmm. with, with the elite. I see myself working with the outcast. And so I got a job in a residential program of working with at-risk kids. Mm. And, and that, that did take over my life for a long stretch of time because, you know, the, look, the most important job any person will do will, will be to raise their children. Mm-hmm. I don't have children of my own. But as soon as I was put in the position of being responsible for these kids, goodbye music. I, I couldn't need to do it anymore. There were, and, and it wasn't by design. It's no Mr. Holland's opus thing. I don't think there's anything noble in turning around on music. But once I had made a commitment to these kids, mm-hmm. it wasn't like a part-time job that you could walk away from. Right. You know, I was their surrogate father. And, you know, if I may flatter myself because I'm not their real father. But I'm still close with a lot of the kids that I work with. And I've never really stopped doing that. I, I've continued to work with at-risk kids. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and now with the whole COVID thing, with, with the lockdown, it's kind of leveled the playing field. Because, you know, I, I'm an indie musician with an indie band. We're on the out. You know, we we had our chances to get into the big leagues. You know, when I started, the dream was to be signed by a major label. Mm-hmm. And we, we had our, our meetings with record company presidents. You know, we, we had our opportunities to pursue things. And for whatever reason, uh, you know, it's almost like any time we took a band photo, somebody in the band would die. Um, you know, we, okay. we, you know the, the mortality rate of the little wretches is pretty high, wow. which is funny because I'm a cancer survivor, but I'm still here. Yeah, um, wow. You know, but, but your question was, do I do it full time? Like, I try to do it full time. Sure. Right now, the, the, traditionally what you'd be doing is you'd be supporting and promoting your record right, by touring. Right, right, yeah. You can't tour right now. And that, that, that kind of eats me up. So most of, most of my performing in, say, the last decade has been solo, just myself with an acoustic guitar, or in duo or trio format. Mm-hmm. You know, my songs are good vehicles. If you're a good guitar player or a good singer, you, you will hear my songs and say, ooh, I, I can speak through that. Mm-hmm. So I've always been, been lucky, and I've been able to attract really good musicians or if they're not the most proficient musicians they get the spirit of it and they put their hearts into it mm-hmm. so I've, I've been blessed in there on, on the current album undesirables and anarchists uh the singer with me rosa colucci is a phenomenally talented person if she it, like it, if she was only good at one thing, she would be world famous. Mm. And I'm very, very lucky to be able to have her think like yeah. me. And we, we, we do everything from kind of edgy, uh, punk-ish, like post-punk kind of stuff, to folky kind of stuff. Like my song, you know, I write the lyrics, I come up with the melodies, and I play acoustic guitar. It doesn't much matter to me who else I'm playing with. I'll turn it up if it calls for turning up. I'll mm-hmm. play solo if Mm-hmm. Calls for playing solo. The songs are, the songs stand up in it, in any genre. What what pulled you from the from the hardcore punk scene into the more kind of Americana folk rock side of where, where it seems like you guys have landed at this point? Yeah, well, it seems, okay. When I look at other, but like one of the first big American punk bands was X with John Doe and Xine Cervanka, mm-hmm. and. You know, they both ended up playing country music. Okay. You know, I think I think for me, you you get to a point 
you know, and, and I'm a writer, you know, and, and what I, what I realized is there's a big difference between people who've heard your recordings and come to your shows knowing the song and then people who are hearing you for the first time in a live setting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When, when, when the band is live, and you're throwing so much information, so much lyrical information at them, uh, and they can, you know, they can kind of come away with a feeling a little bit. They might catch a phrase here or a catch there, but they don't, they can't really take it all in when the music is that loud. So one, you got to find a way to turn it down, or at least not compete with the vocals. Mm-hmm. And, and again, we're also playing back when I was playing because I've always been a pretty strong lyricist. So at one point in Western Pennsylvania, where we were playing most of our gigs hardcore punk had taken over. So all of the house PA systems were set up for streamers. And I'd go in with my kind of conversational style of voice, and he'd come off stage and people would say, and I couldn't hear a word you said. And I said, well, if you couldn't hear a word I said, why didn't you tell me at the beginning of the set? Because the monitor sounded great. Mm. So you just had to find another way to get yeah. it across. Yeah. So one way to get it across is to turn the guitars down. So it was a learning process. So, so for, for me, with the little red, it was like okay, I have I have the vocals and I can support it with the acoustic guitar. I'll come up with a high part for a violin or a flute or a, you know an electric guitar that'll kind of run counter. So you know, there's a high part, there's a low part, there's the groove, and then there's the lyric. And generally, I wish I was a piano player, but I'm not. So I, I got to do what I can on an acoustic yeah. guitar. But yeah. it was it was just trying to get the stories across. Sure. And that's the, the other thing that I kind of came aware of is, is uh, as it got to where, you know, we're in our 30s, that rock star thing hasn't materialized yet. Our dedicated fans are now starting to have families of their own, so they're not coming around as much. And just general, generationally speaking, 30-year-olds are not going to appeal to 15-year-olds. Right. You know, right, younger right. people are going to look for a different look, a different sound. Right. So, you know, we, have, we had to find a way to keep it alive. And for me, it's like, okay, I have stories to tell. I tell I, I'm a writer. I teach through storytelling. I tell stories through songs. And I have to find a way. And so it just na- naturally drifted into to that folk thing. Yeah. But, you know, the, when the Little Records first started, part of our repertoire were a bunch of old folk songs. Mm, uh, okay. You know, so it's always been a part of what we do. And the new record, um, Undesirables and Anarchists, is, is that out? Are you releasing singles? How, what's, uh, how okay, accessible well, is we, that? We've, hi- we've hired a publicist who, who's working the songs. Uh, uh, I think we're on like 80 radio stations right now. Yeah, okay. We've gotten a pretty strong response in South Africa. At one point, we were on the indie. I think we're still in the top 200 in the indie uh, charts in Europe, but we're, we were like maybe in the 90s at the high point. So now I think he's pushing another song. The, the I don't I don't even think too much about that stuff. If, if if I was able to tour, if I was actually able to perform, I feel like I, I could be having a greater impact with it because what I would be doing is every radio station that is playing the song. I'd be booking gigs in those cities. Sure, of course. You know, yeah. Would yeah. you be giving whatever journalists are in that region a reason to want to write about it? Uh, 
because you know that that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to give people a reason to get into the band mm-hmm. because we're the, we are the type of band that you can get into. It's mm-hmm. not going to be everybody's cup of tea, but my hope is that there's going to be something on this album that makes people delve in and realize, oh, there's a whole universe in here. Here's folky stuff. Here's country stuff. Here's here's this edgy, weird violin pop. You know, we, we cover a lot of musical territory. This album, though, I've heard people compare it to, like, The Clash, cross between The Clash and the B-52. Mm-hmm. A little so bit of Rolling Stones in there, too, I, I hear. Oh, you know, without a doubt, the Rolling Stones. Uh, I, I mean, there was a point in my teen years where once I made up my mind that music was the thing that made me tick, uh, you know, with the Kinks, the Stones, the Who, yeah, the Beatles. Yeah. yeah, I love that stuff. Uh, and then the American bands, Patty Smith, the Lou Reed, and the, like the New York underground bands yep. were a little thing for me. Yeah. So if, if folks want to uh, get more into your catalog and listen to this record and, and maybe at least get somewhere in position to be able to find you when we can get back out like normal and start the tour again, what's the best communication method to, for people to get in touch? Well, my preferred thing, I wish people would come to our website, littlewretches.com. There's no the, just littlewretches.com, and, you know, sign up on the mailing list or post a comment or something for, for one of the, the blogs. Okay. We're on Facebook. You, you could, you know, just do a search for the Little Wretches on Facebook, and, you know, it's facebook.com slash littlewretches. Those are the two ma- main places to find us. Uh, and if you you know you wanted to sample the music, we're everywhere. And any streaming service, Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, any of those things. There and and in in an earlier generation of the band, there, there's hours and hours and hours of live footage, cool. entire concerts up on YouTube. Okay. Uh, you know, back before everybody had cell phones, right? And we had guys coming around with camcorders and recording our shows. Okay. Awesome. So it's out there for anybody who looks. The Little Wretch. Yeah. Well, I love what you guys do. It's cool. I, I'm I'm a, a, a product child of that era, so I love the connection to some of those some of those uh, early '60s rock and '70s punk bands. But feeling that Americana flavor drift in, so I, it, it's cool. And I wish you guys well with it. And I really appreciate you well, taking the time to chat with us. Oh well, I'm glad you asked. I, I'm uh, I'm I'm. I, Looking for a way to make people aware of it, and you're helping. Yeah, good. In your debt. Good. Well, thank you very much. We wish you well, and uh, hope to see you see you on your travels. As we were talking offline, you, you have an opportunity to pass throughout part of the country, so maybe we'll get a chance to share a cup of coffee somewhere one day. I'd love to. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of Americana Music Profiles. Find us on iTunes at Americana Music Profiles and on the Internet at AmericanaRhythm.com. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. 
and why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.